Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can listen to it every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are recording in Rupp Arena on Sunday evening after Kentucky just defeated uh, VMI. We are going to talk football and basketball today. We're going to bounce back and forth. Uh, we are going to talk about who performed well in on the hardwood in our second segment. In our last segment, we're going to discuss the heartwarming story that came from Kentucky's win over Middle Tennessee on Senior Day that didn't involve a senior. Um, but first, I do want to start out with those seniors. So Kentucky wins 34-23 to against Middle Tennessee. Overall thoughts on the game real quick, Kyle. In my estimation, I think Kentucky got up at halftime they were leading pretty easily I think it was two or three scores and they kind of relaxed just a hair and Middle Tennessee's got a a really good quarterback even though I can't pronounce his name if you listen to the last (laughs) podcast and they made him pay a little bit and made it kind of interesting at the end yeah stock still you know son of the coach they've got a a a nice offense he's I think got all the school records for passing Uh, but I mean Kentucky started that game exactly the way you would hope they would coming off of a disappointing loss to Georgia and a humiliating loss against Tennessee, seventeen nothing in a blink. Uh, you get pick six. I mean, I think you mentioned we in our over unders we did seniors who would cry, and I, I went under one and a half, mm-hmm. and I think I was right because yeah, you said you, you thought Josh uh, Mike Edwards was the only one who cried that he like was really yeah. emotional, and then he comes out of the gate. And it obviously meant something to him. He goes pick six and then fumble recovery on the first two no, possessions of the game. A, I'm sorry, f- forced fumble uh, on the first two possessions of the game. It was a great forced fumble, too. I mean, he just he ripped, perfect, hit him yeah. and, and ripped right through there. And so Kentucky, boom, 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 17 nothing. And, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think there was a level of let up after they came out and did kind of took care of business. I mean, when you're up 17 nothing against a team like MTSU, the game is essentially over. Um, you know, they had to hold on a little bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't a, an also-ran. That's a really good quarterback. He may have some mm-hmm. sort of pro potential. Uh, I wasn't super, you know, disturbed by that. I, I think it, they, they I think the more concerning thing is that the offense is still – was still not able to muster more than they did against a, a Middle they, Tennessee. There was, there was. I think you could say that there was some improvement, um, yeah. um, but overall not to the level you would assume that you would have against that type of opponent. But you know they did some good things. Terry Wilson. He looks like you're seeing some some minor progression each week. He seems to be getting a little bit better. Uh, he had that unbelievable throw to C.J. Conrad, which C.J. Conrad after the game actually admitted he was preparing himself to catch a tipped ball. Because he thought the defender was going to get a fingertip on it. And if you go to UK uh, football's account, Twitter account, they actually have a picture of the ball like going right through the hands of the defender. Mm. It looked like it was going right to him. Um, it's a fantastic photo, so, so go check that out. It'll probably obviously be back on their timeline a little bit. But, but he was able to catch that. And, I mean, not to brag, but I, I called that, called the – Called the defensive touchdown from Mike Edwards. David Bouvier let me down. I guess I should be a little bit disappointed in him. Um, but overall, I thought the, the offense did some really good things. Yeah. I mean, you know, better. Benny got back over 100 yards. Yeah, that was important. Um, he's closing in on that record, all-time rushing record. He needs, what, 201? 20-something. Two, a little over 200. Uh, extended his crazy touchdown total. I think, what is, what is the – is he is – he, Past uh, Tebow on the list of most 
in, uh, rushing touchdowns in your first three seasons yeah. for a non-senior, basically. Yeah. And that was we've seen that list early in the year from, I think, SEC Network, and it was like this crazy company of guys with 40-plus touchdowns before their senior year. Yeah. It was like him and Tebow and Herschel Walker and a bunch of legends, uh, Leonard Fournette. I think he's only behind Herschel. Is that right now? Yeah, maybe? That, that seems right. He's in that, basically, he's in the company of Herschel Walker in a number of categories now, and that's obviously gotten some attention, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean. The other well, the, the thing with the, the Kentucky defense that was, I guess it shouldn't have been surprising. They gave up points, and we talked about, we praised the middle offense and their, their guys, but they were running some crazy, crazy formations. Like, there were some weird things going on, and, you know, you, when you scheme that up and you're not going to play it every week, there's not a – I mean, there's stuff you can do, obviously, if you run what you're supposed to perfectly, but those unbalanced lines and those kind of things that kind of – I think they hurt Kentucky a little bit, but at the end of the game, the most important play of the game, Josh Allen comes up with a sack, and then I think there was a sack on the next play from Boogie Watson. And so they – when it got to one possession and middle was on a, a little bit of a drive, they, they were able to end it. Yeah, well, I, to your point about the crazy offense – it may have looked a little bit familiar to people. The offensive coordinator is Tony Franklin at MTSU. Tony Franklin, formerly of University of Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, a Mike Leach air raid uh, compatriot. Uh, Mike Leach, by the way, at Washington State is just torching people and has a top five-ish team now, still with just one loss. Uh, they had, I think, 50-some points at halftime the other night. Uh, so, that, I mean, yeah, again, like that. that is a – not only are they do they have a play a good quarterback in Stockstill, they have a unique offense that's difficult for a lot of people to stop that is going to put up points. They gave up what three touchdown passes, um, but they made the stops they needed to. It, I mean, kind of fitting on Senior Day for jo- for to start with senior, you know, Mike Edwards pick six and to end with Josh Allen the sack he needed to break all the records, both the single season and the career yeah. sack records at Kentucky. Happens kind of as he clinches the game on senior game, senior day. Not only clinches the game, but we haven't even said this yet. Clinches the first eight win regular season in you know since 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clinches probably going to a better than average bowl game. Yeah, uh, I think they'll definitely clinch that with if they beat Louisville next week and go nine and three. They're going to a nice bowl game uh, and also get. You know they're they're a win away against a Louisville team that is now that just gave up its fourth straight game, giving up fifty plus points. They've done that six times this year. Two and nine Louisville. They're a win away against that team from being in position to go to a bowl, a great bowl game, and and be a ten win team. Still, yeah. they can still get to ten wins. So there there's a lot of good stuff on the table for Kentucky. I think it wasn't just a you know, an overwhelmingly positive day for Kentucky. But I think in the bottom line, a pretty, pretty darn good day for a bunch of individuals and certainly for the, t- for the, for the program in the big picture. Uh, a couple of things on Josh Allen that he had to say after the game, and then we're going to jump over to basketball. Uh, he gave a ton of credit to Brad White. And what I did after the game was we were allowed, we were allowed on the field at five minutes to go on the clock. And so basically I just – after his his sack and they came off the defense came off the field, I just went and found Josh Allen. I followed him around until he left the field for that. I don't know. It was about it's about a three and a half four minute video. And he they had a little sign written up, and by sign I mean Derek Beatty wrote on the whiteboard record breaker 
number 41, and he was hand, hand, headed around, put it over his head. You probably saw a ton of pictures across social media. He also was went over to the stands for a second and saw Oliver Barnett, the career sacks leader whose record he just broke, and also the father of his teammate, um, and told him to come down, and they came down, and he, I got a picture of him. He wanted a picture with him. They took a picture together. He went out, you know, waved all the fans, and then he made sure he went and found Brad White and gave Brad White a huge hug. And after the game, he gave Brad White a ton of credit, um, both on and off the field. This is really interesting. He said that, you know, off the field, they have a child the same age. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, Wesley is, is Josh's son, and he had him on the field with him during senior day. And so they, they bonded not just from football stuff, and there's no question that that Brad White has helped him with technique and come from the NFL and being able to get past guys, you know, that are at that level, you have to have everything perfect. And it is shown on the field for Josh Allen. Um, Josh said about his son that everything he does, he does it for his son. And then one more note on Brad White, and I really like this line, and it kind of shows how highly Josh Allen thinks of Brad White. He said that my record probably won't stand long if the guys that are here listen to what Brad White has to say. Wow, that's a great that's a great line. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean that Stoops is probably going to do everything he can to keep that guy's around as long as he can. Um, so all right, we are going to jump to basketball in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Sling TV. You know, you don't want to watch the game; you need to watch the game Friday night at the station. I wanted to check out some West Virginia versus Western Kentucky. And it was a heck of a game. Got to see a Charles Bassey. And how did I do that when I was working? Well, luckily, I have Sling TV on my phone. Are you sick of paying for 20 channels you never watch just because you want to watch the game? Sling TV is the best way to watch college football, college basketball, all kinds of sports. 30 bucks a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. Stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees. You can upgrade and downgrade your channel packages, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. It's a free trial. you got nothing to lose. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So, Kyle, um... We did a quick Facebook Live after this game where we talked a lot about VMI's Bubba Parham, the star of the game. If you want to hear a little bit about him and our thoughts on him, go check out the Facebook Live. Just search Locked on Kentucky on Facebook, and you can check out that video. I thought we'd concentrate on the Kentucky guys a little bit here on the podcast. And the first guy I wanted to mention was Quade Green. Calipari singled him out um, in his press conference, and when Calipari does that it means that guy has been performing in practice and it really showed up i thought today on the court yeah so he had a by comparison a meager <laughs> three made three pointers three of five and uh 17 points when it, we say meager because uh bubba parham hit 10 three-pointers and scored 35 points in one of the great performances you'll ever see at rep arena or anywhere um, I mean, or anywhere yeah. yeah i mean he was one off the record uh, here at Rep Arena for a single player with 10 made threes. But Quade's three that he made and several of his other buckets and, and free throws were direct answers uh, yes. you know, oftentimes to big shots that uh, Parham made. And, uh, and, and, you know, I think the last one was pretty late. I mean, yes. 
you know, VMI was within six points in the last few minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think at the, I think it was at the six-point margin that he hit – Quade hit his last one, I believe. Um, and so that was significant. And, you know, the thing that happened tonight is the thing that you would hope, you know, if you're a Kentucky fan, if you're John Calipari, you would have hoped was going to happen this season that by having some veterans, they – show up when times are tough and when vmi hit 19 threes tonight (laughs) out of 38 that is 50 percent on 38 attempts as a record at rupp arena 19 made threes by an opponent when that happened they still won by 10 because quade hit some clutch shots and played under control and also because the other two veterans really showed up pj washington 19 points and 18 rebounds that's a career high in rebounds just a couple days after he had a career high in points. Uh, and Reed Travis is exactly who you hoped he would be, 22-6, and six, and finished a bunch of big shots inside. Uh, Reed Travis and P.J. Washington had 10 offensive rebounds between them. Kentucky had 18. They crushed VMI on the boards. Uh, all those guys, P.J., Quade, um, and Reed Travis also hit all almost all of their free throws. Kentucky was 29 out of 35, which is one of the best performances in the entire Calipari era. It was at 80, 82.4, from the free throw line for the game. And most of those were made by those veteran guys. Um, I think that's really significant for them. People are going to be really focused on the offense for VMI the, the, or – the bad defense for mm-hmm. Kentucky. But I think when you have a team just shoot its out of its mind against you and you still win by 10 because of the veterans, you can build on that. Because the young guys, are, you'd be a lot more worried if it was if the veterans were the guys who didn't show up tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one veteran who didn't have a great performance, and someone asked on the Facebook Live how many minutes Nick Richards played in the second half. We had to look it up. And, Kyle, it wasn't, it wasn't many. Two minutes. In the second half. He That's finished with eight minutes for the game. He made all three of his shots. They were all basically dunks. Yeah. He had one tough finish inside. But, uh, you know, they started E.J. Montgomery, mm-hmm. and he got in foul trouble. He did have some success blocking shots, but he was one for five from the field. Uh, Nick Richards, I think really more than anything, it was just a case of, like, all right, gotta, you got to go a little smaller for one to guard because it was clear VMI was just going to shoot everything. Mm-hmm. They weren't going inside. You didn't need a you didn't need a a rim protector, uh, <laughs> and they and you know they were clobbering the other side, rebounding with just PJ and Reed alone. Um, I mean, so yeah, PJ and Reed had twenty four rebounds. VMI had twenty two as a team, so they out rebounded wow. VMI with those two guys alone. I don't think that's a super alarming thing that Nick didn't play a ton. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, EJ only played 16 minutes. Though that just wasn't a game where they were really like fundamentally necessary. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And Reed is has been so consistent. And you know, we were setting up here, Kyle. You you said to me, you know, where would they be without Reed Travis? He's been yeah. just so consistent in these games. And I'm, they probably wouldn't have another loss necessarily. But they might have been sweating a little bit more in the past two games without him. Um, obviously, poked in the eye tonight and uh, came, came back with the Rex Specs. I, I I think Quade Green said those were his glasses that he wore last year. That you know, I mean, 
Not the shades. They were well. The shades were inserts. Remember? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they were the, the same glasses. And he, he surely sh- Reed Travis's head is significantly bigger than than Quade Green. I don't think that's not true. Me- not metaphorically. Or whatever. We'll jump to that in a second about about Quade's confidence because Kyle and I were actually talking to PJ Washington about that earlier tonight. Um, but I, I don't know. I think glasses can fit most most people's heads. Yeah, I mean, stretchy, I, I, but I would think that that would be a bit of a stretch. Well, it we'll maybe see. was a bit of a stretch, and maybe, that's yeah. why they, they maybe the same kind of glasses. <laughs> quad A is Quad A, so I who knows? And and speaking of him, uh, we were talking to PJ Washington about Quad A's confidence, and I think that my favorite thing that he said is that Quad A thinks. He's going to win everything, even when he's bad at it. Yeah, like he video- thinks he's good at video games, and he stinks at video <laughs> games. And I said, is he the one guy on this team that if anybody was ever going to do what uh, Bubba Parham did to Kentucky on this team, would it be Quade? And he said he's the only guy who would take some of those shots, yes. Because, I mean, some of the some of the shots that Parham hit were just absurd. Like yeah. falling down, falling away, deep threes with hands in his face. Um, so, yeah, Quade is the easily the most confident person on this team. Yeah. He might be the most confident person in college basketball. I don't know if I've ever met someone more confident, and he's—I just—he's a joy to talk to. I know he's not nonsensical. <laughs> like it doesn't most of it makes absolutely no sense to the rest of us, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's—he's he's just the best, and you know you got to have that confidence. That's what's—that's uh, what makes some people so great. Uh, you, when you talk to people in the NBA, they're like, "Are you the best player in the NBA?" No, you're not. You're not LeBron James, but you think you are. And you, to a certain extent, you have to have that that kind of confidence. I also thought that Ashton Higgins improved a little bit tonight, uh, played a little bit better. And a quick note, he was asked about the fact that his name was involved in that ESPN report with Christian Dawkins. He said he doesn't know Christian Dawkins, and he wasn't concerned about that going forward because he and his dad had never talked to that guy, and his dad told him to just focus on the court and on his team, and that's what he's been doing the past couple weeks, and it seems like he's made a little bit of a step forward. Yeah, I think um, I think tonight was about as well as he's played at Kentucky. I mean, not counting the Bahamas exhibitions and actual yeah. basketball games. Uh, you saw his defense shine through uh, in, in stretches. He What did he end up with? Uh, well, I can't find him on the sheet here. Ashton Hagens ended up with five points, four assists, two steals, two blocks, no turnovers. Uh, so that's big. You see, he's still learning on when to basically attack and drive. And, um, and on defense, he's still trying to find that balance between gambling and, and sort of laying back and just playing straight up. You know, he, he, he wants to create turnovers. He wants to, uh, you know, get deflections and start fast breaks. He had, a, he had a turbo block at one point tonight that he blocked across the court, and it basically – Ended up being an assist for a wide open three because yeah. it went directly to VMI. But uh, he did some really good things defensively. But even even there, where I think is is his strength, I think he's probably the best on ball defender on the team. Um, he's still as a freshman and a young freshman trying to figure out, you know, when do I gamble for those turnovers and when do I just play my man and, and try to you know thwart him from scoring or getting the ball. Um, but I think as he gets more comfortable with that. And he gets more comfortable offensively. What are his strengths? You know, how can he play to them? He's not a great shooter. He did make a nice jump shot tonight on a on a uh, crossover dribble pull up. Um, I think he will become more and more a part of this team. He's a guy that has kind of faded to the background a little bit early on. But I, I 
I maintain that he is one of the most important. He and EJ both. Yep. I think those are two guys who are super talented freshmen who could, by the end of the year, be major factors, difference makers. Yeah. As Cal Perry says, he's looking for separators. I think a lockdown defender can be a separator. Ashton Hagens. I think a six ten guy who can, you know, flash all these skills around the bucket and block some shots can be a separator. EJ Montgomery. Um, so I, I think those are two very important players who showed a little bit tonight of what they can be, I think, down the road. Yeah, we're going to talk a ton of basketball this week, obviously. Kentucky's got two more games, one on Wednesday and one on Friday uh, before and after Thanksgiving. So we'll be talking a lot about that moving forward, so stay tuned. Um, coming up next, we're going to discuss the best story of the weekend, and I don't think it is particularly close. You are locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'll tell the story real quick about how I found out this. Um, full disclosure, I was aware, and I think you were too to a certain extent, that Josh Paschal was trying to come back for the Georgia game. Uh, he was thought he was going to be able to practice, uh, but you know wasn't up to it. Um, nothing to do with the cancer he has, but just physically coming back from his foot wasn't get able to out on the practice field. And I kind of you know the, the week the next week passes and you kind of gets out of your mind and I was doing the network pregame which I produce right outside the stadium there and all of a sudden they're they're rolling through starting lineups and they they get to the last defensive spot and they go Josh Paschal and I was like oh my gosh this this kid's gonna play after everything he's been through and it was just kind of like an awesome moment and then you know you get into the 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 stadium and you're watching and he makes that tackle and then all of a sudden it's it's kind of one of those things that's where it's a little bit of a wave where his teammates start to congratulate him that congratulate him and then the stadium realizes that he just made a tackle so there was just this like this growing applause and it didn't get overwhelming it was kind of understated because and it fit the moment but it was just one of those special things that like sports allows you to do like this guy is back you know yeah uh, from something so serious yeah, I mean, one of the scarier things, you know, we've heard, I think, in a, in a, you know, media day news conference is Mark Stoops comes in and announces that, you know, John Schlarman is battling uh, cancer, that Josh Paschal, that, you know, what they found on his foot we, we'd already heard before in the summer, there was some, something going on there. It turns out it was uh, malig- right, malignant uh, melanoma, skin yes. cancer. Um and, and and just the way Stoops announced that news, it was pretty obvious that he was deeply shook. concerned. He was shook. Um, and then he doesn't play all season, and he's one. You know, he's obviously one of your most impactful guys. He's one of the best recruits they've gotten in the Stoops era. Yeah, you know, a big time four star kid out of Maryland who made an instant impact as a freshman. You're thinking he's going to be, you know, the the Blitz Bros. Uh, you know, he was going to be the guy opposite Josh Allen wreaking all this havoc, maybe benefiting most from Josh Allen getting all this attention. Who knows what kind of season he could have had yeah. if he was there from day one. You know, freakish physical specimen, one of the best-looking kids you've ever seen walk in here. I mean, he looked like a SEC senior from day one. And then you hear he has cancer and he can't play, he doesn't play. Uh, there was obvious concern about the seriousness of it, and you – at that point, it's not really about football to anybody. It's no. like, I hope this kid is going to be okay. And so for him to, you know, to get back to the point that he could go out there and make a play in a game, 
um, before the end of this season was you know had even come. I, I think that's is a really cool story. Um, I, he, I think it's it's also huge for Kentucky. I think just as an emotional lift to get a guy back that they clearly guys on that team love and care about and were very very happy for. Yeah, um, Cash Daniel said that him being back on the field, Josh Pascal was the highlight of his his year. Um, we didn't get to Cash's post game comments on this podcast. We'll mention it this week, um, and I posted the video on my Twitter feed. Uh, but a couple other things on uh, Pascal, he had to say he he gave a ton of credit to God and his faith, and he talked about how uh, he and Schlarman had met a couple times, and that's something that they both you know were working through together. He is not you know, all the way done with his treatment um, for his his cancer. He is still getting treatment, and the treatment isn't chemo, so he's allowed to be back physically. He says he's com- completely back physically, you know, in his body, but he still needs to get that treatment to make sure it goes into full remish- remission, I guess. And so he spoke on that. He said that the, the, him getting it was completely random. There was no, like, family history or anything along those lines. He wanted to thank the fans for all their positive message. He just loved all the positivity um, that he was getting back. And, uh, you know, it was just I, – I, I just, like, would say thank you to him because he came to the, the main podium after the game, spoke for about five minutes, and then after all the player interviews were done, he came back and um, and spoke to a couple of us who wanted some more quotes from him and to get the full picture because it's the first time we've gotten to talk to him for about – Almost another 10 minutes. So he spent 15 minutes talking to us media to get his you know, story all the way out there so we understand exactly what he was going through. And then on top of all that, the way I understand it, he stayed around and signed every autograph that anybody wanted after the game. I mean, so he, it was just, you know, just a great moment and just one of those things that I don't think I'll ever forget. I mean, being able to see a guy who, like you talked about, when Stoops came into that press conference and when he announced that, like his face, that compared to – him smiling when he got to talk about Josh Pascal making the tackle and getting back on the field is just, I'll say it again, something that, you know, sports can provide, like, such a easy demarcation of, like, this guy is battling something and then he's back, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's easy to see. So it was, just, it was just a really cool moment, and I was really happy to be able to be there and cover it. So um, you can go check out those interviews with, with Josh. They're on my timeline as well and on BigBlueInsider.com. That's where I post all my interviews. Um, so next podcast, we are going to probably be talking after Mark Stoops has his Monday press conference. We'll wrap up some football, talk a little bit more basketball. Obviously, Thanksgiving week. We plan on having a couple guests on this week, so stay tuned for that. As I mentioned, go and watch the Facebook video we did after the game. Just search Locked on Kentucky on Facebook. You'll find us there. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow Kyle on social media at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH and online at theathletic.com or the athletic app. He's working on some cool things from after this game, so be sure to be checking those out. You can follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B U R C H. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Okay, Kyle. Um, so I'm, 